0: Amen. Welcome this morning, <laughs> and uh, I welcome all of those on Periscope as well. And assuming you started that, okay. awesome! You are so good. You are so good. I'll tell you this: uh, um, this little mini series—I guess you want to call it whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Um has been something that's been on my heart for so long. It's really been on my heart since the beginning of the year. And and what God tends to do is he he tend hold on. Is it am I not loud enough? Is that better? Okay. That's too ringy. There is that better. A little bit? I'll talk louder. Um but what God tends to do is he tends to show me in my life what I need in my relationship to him. So I don't know, you know, I I, I don't know how other pastors do it, um, but really what what I do on a Sunday morning is really reveal to you what he's been doing in my life, what he's been doing in my heart. and And as he Wants to lead this church in this way. I'm still getting a ringing here. Let's see if that's any better there. But uh, so we've been talking about um, just simply believing him, and I, I I want you to get the difference here because when I say we have the title of believe me, not just in me, okay? Because As an evangelist, we talk about believing in Jesus Christ. Believing in who He is. You know, in order to access the gift of eternal life, in order to receive that gift, we have to believe in Jesus Christ. We have to believe in who He is, in what He did, coming down to earth as a man, living a perfect sinless life, dying on the cross for our sins, raising from the grave who now sits at the right hand of the Father. That's, that's what we call the gospel, right? So to receive eternal life, the only way to receive eternal life is to believe those things, believe in the gospel, believe in Jesus Christ. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking... That, that is... What we're talking about today is after that, okay? When we talk about a relationship with Jesus Christ... You cannot build a relationship with Jesus Christ until you have accepted him into your heart as Savior. Because there's a disconnect. It's kind of like taking an extension cord that that is not put together, Taking, taking one side that's plugged in and one side that's plugged into you, and when you connect those, then there's a current. Then there's that electricity that can flow through to power up the other end, right? That's what an extension cord does. Okay, salvation's kind of the same way with a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can imagine God as being this power station over here, and then you being over here as His creation, but that's been separated from God. Okay? For eternity. And the only way to connect is believing in Him what the gospel teaches, believe who he is, believe what he did. Believing and then asking him into your heart, accepting him as your savior. That's plugging in the extension cord. Okay, that's where the relationship begins. It doesn't mean that automatically you have a relationship. Automatically, however, you have the gift of eternal life. Ephesians 1.13 and 14 says, Immediately you become sealed by the Holy Spirit until you receive that eternal life. So he is there as a form of our guarantee of that life in Christ. When we plug in, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, and we believe in who he is, we've been plugged into that power. Okay, We have that guarantee. However, it doesn't mean that we immediately have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's kind of like, I, I don't know if, if, you, if you know anything about electricity at all or anything like that. It's a matter of once you plug in, then you have the ability to turn up or turn down. You have the ability to, to work that flow of energy into what you receive. I want you to use that as a mental picture in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You have the ability to turn that up or turn that down. It doesn't change the fact that you're plugged in. It doesn't change the fact that you will inherit eternal life when you've accepted Jesus Christ. You can never lose that. It's kind of like when God plugs in. Okay, I, I was a builder and they have they have they have these extension cords that that have these. They're almost like a safety catch that, that goes over the other plug. So if it gets yanked on or anything else or get kick, kicked around, it doesn't come unplugged, right? It keeps it plugged in. Well, the Holy Spirit keeps us plugged in. However, we're the ones in charge of the dial to turn it up or turn it down. So you'll never lose that connection with Jesus Christ when you've accepted him. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 promises that and praise God. Because if it were up to us, so many of us would. If it were up to, it, not even so many of us, all of us would. Because we cannot live perfect lives, right? That's why Jesus came to die in the first place. So I, I, I want to make sure that part's clear before we move on. That when you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, you will never lose that. So what we're talking about today is that relationship that is opened up to you. That relationship now is something that, as as I've said many times, that is up to us to take the first step. When we step toward God, the Bible says, then he steps toward us. It's the same way in, in, in relationship with him, in getting to know him. If you don't open your Bible, don't expect to get to know him. If you don't pray to him, don't expect to get to know him. If you don't worship him, if you don't think about him, if you don't speak with him, don't expect to get to know him. See, that holds no bearing on your salvation. But what it does, it holds bearing on your relationship. It holds bearing on the things that he promises us. The fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. All these things are dependent upon that relationship. So so when we use this title, believe me, not just in me, we're talking about a relationship. But I'm taking it one step further. Because so many times when we look at the Word of God and we look at what he wants in relationship, we manage the Word of God according to what we can accept according to what our sensitivities or our uh, mind can grasp. But who can grasp God? Who can grasp who he is? So really, part of our responsibility is coming to a point where we say, whatever, God, whatever you want to show me, I will trust in what you show me. The only caveat to that is we want to make sure it's Him. That's why He gives us the Word of God. He gives us the Word of God as our foundation to base everything upon. So do we believe Him? Do we believe what these words say? Or do we just believe in Him and we manage the rest? Well, you know what, I I, I like, like 1 Corinthians 13 about that love thing. I like that pretty well, so... You know, I, I could bring a piece of that into my life. I'm good with that. But, but you know, there, there's some of these other, other verses that, that I really kind of struggle with, you know. Um, so, so I manage the word of God. This is something I'm okay with. This is something I'm not. But, you know, what? what God is pleased with is when we believe him for what he says. And, and I'm not talking about believing me. I want to make this really clear. I'm not talking about believing me. I'm not talking about you sitting there and listening to what I'm saying and believing what I'm saying. See, Acts 17.11 says you're not supposed to do that. It says you're supposed to receive what I'm saying with an open heart and with an open mind. And then you're supposed to go home, open up the Word of God, and prove it out for yourselves. See, because you can't go through me or through somebody else for your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can only do that on your own. You can only do that between you and him through the Holy Spirit. But what I'm here to tell you is that he wants more than just believing in him. He wants us to believe him. I I mentioned last week that a few years ago I I was in college ministry and, and it just began to get overwhelming to me, this thought of why do we not see the Church of Acts today? And I'm not just talking about the miracles. I mean, we certainly don't see those. I'm not just talking about the miracles. I'm talking about the attitude. I'm talking about the love. I'm talking about the fact that Jesus Christ, if you read the book of Acts, I I know I mentioned last week to to read it this week. I don't know how many did. I did. But read it again. I'll encourage you to read it again this week. But in the book of Acts, you see an overwhelming adoration for Jesus Christ. You see an overwhelming adoration for each other. The very thing that he said is the greatest commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind, all thy strength. And then second is like unto that, love your neighbor as yourself. See, in the book of Acts, you see in the early church, you see the examples of that. You see they cared about each other. See, why don't we see that today? I I don't know if it's an American thing, Because you do tend to see some different things overseas. However, I I do think it's more of a thing in our day and age. But see, I believe that this is something that is beginning to shift. Because Jesus Christ wants, through the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to have an active role in your life. He doesn't want you to manage Him. He wants you to just say yes. Yes, Lord, whatever you want. I trust you. And when we do that, he tends to overwhelm us. So last week we talked about, we went through some of the the verses. Um, If you remember, we talked about how how, the practical aspects of Jesus was alive. He walked with his disciples for three years doing ministry. He died Rose again. He was with them for forty days before he ascended into heaven. Okay, and in that time frame, right before he ascended, it, you read in John chapter twenty that he what? What did he do? He breathed the Holy Spirit onto them. Okay, in John chapter twenty, this was before he ascended. He breathed the Holy Spirit onto them. And then you read, you continue reading, and <clears throat> what he does in Acts chapter 1, he tells the disciples before he went up, he tells them, wait. Wait here in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes upon you in power. See, that was different than what they experienced when he breathed on them. What he breathed on them was that security, right? That guarantee that security stamp that they were going to heaven, that they would receive what they had asked Jesus Christ for, eternal life, because of believing in him. That was the guarantee. That's the same guarantee we're given when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts. But see, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on them in power. There's a difference. There's a difference, and do we believe in him or just or do we just believe in him or do we believe him and what he says so and by the way i don't know about you um, how much you've read the book of john but i go through periods of my walk with Christ especially the last few years and 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 he'll he'll kind of bring me to a place in in reading and it's like he keeps bringing me back there, back there and back there and back there and back there. And that's what he's been doing to the book of John. When, when we were in uh, uh, the Firestorm Conference, um, I'm trying to remember who, who told this story. It was, I think, Andy. Andy Boyle Boy? I Bird. can't remember his name. Bird? Bird? B Y R D. Andy Bird <laughs> told this story. and And this was of... Of a story that he had had heard in in the ministry that he does, but there there was a, a missionary that was working with a a monk. I don't even remember what what country it was, but but he said you've got to hear this guy's story, and and it was just just mind boggling, and and so so he came and he heard this story. And and the monk began to say that this man came to visit him every night. He didn't know who he was. He just came to visit him every night, and they sat down at a table, and the man would speak and tell him to write down what he speaks. That's all it was. He didn't know the guy. He he wrote down everything word for word, what he spoke. And I can't remember how long Andy said that it was, but I I, I want to say it was like for... 30 days or whatever it was. It was a long period of time that he came every day and spoke to this man and said, write down word for word what I'm, what I'm telling you. Well, then when this missionary had some contact with this guy and he was telling him about this other person, again, he didn't know who he was, but, but he said, well, let, let me see what he had you write. And he looked at what he wrote, and it was the book of John word for word. And who that man was was Jesus Christ, who came to him every day to write down what? That book. See, now to me, that hit me because God has had me in the book of John for I, I don't know how long now. I mean, I mean, off and on, but I keep coming back to the book of John. And so this morning, as as part of part of this, I said to you last week I didn't know. You know, I figured it'd go into two weeks, but I didn't know what this was going to entail and and even stepping up here this morning i I came to the point where where God just said, "Get up there and begin reading out of John fourteen, and then let me speak and so that's what we're going to do. I want to start in John chapter fourteen actually, before I do that, I want to read one verse. And uh, if you want to turn there, um, go ahead and turn to Mark nine twenty-three. This verse we brought out last week, and this is kind of the gist of what we're talking about here. Mark nine twenty-three, and if you remember this story, this was where the the man had uh, a young boy who who had been um, possessed by a demon and. He had asked the disciples to cast him out, and they couldn't. And so he came to Jesus, and he said, he said uh, you know, would you cast him out? And he says, if you can. And Jesus' answer was, if you can. What do you mean, if you can? All things, let's read verse 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And then immediately the father cried out, I believe, but help my unbelief. So, all things are possible to those who believe. See, it can't just be believing in Jesus, it has to be believing what He said. It has to be believing. See, that's the application in our lives. Believing that what He says applies to us here, today, right now, in our relationship with Him. So, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. And we're just going to begin going through this. Let's start at verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, and he's speaking to his disciples here, by the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, who's one of the disciples, he said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. In other words, show us God, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Verse 11. Believe me. Say that again. Believe me. Everybody say that together. Believe me. Say it again. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. When we believe him, we're going to act like him. When we believe him, trust in what he says, apply it to our lives, we're going to have the same look on us that Jesus Christ had when he was here. Think about that. Do you ever hold yourself up to that point? Or do you say, I'm not worthy of that? I'm not worthy of Christ loving me enough to pulling me that close. But see, in a human aspect, we're not. We're not worthy. But do you understand when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, accept him as your Savior... You become worthy. Because, see, the Father now sees you with the righteousness of Christ. Christ's blood pours over you, makes you cleansed and righteous before the Father. So that means you are worthy. You are worthy to seek relationship. You are worthy for him to work through you in an extraordinary way. I think so many of us don't see the church of Acts today because we don't believe that we deserve it. We don't believe we're worthy of it. We don't believe we're capable of it because of this sinful flesh. But see, God gave us a mechanism. He gave us a mechanism to get over that. First of all, He gave us His righteousness. When we accept Jesus Christ into our heart, we are given his righteousness. But then he also gives us a mechanism to stay in communion with Jesus Christ. It's called forgiveness. When you are working a relationship with somebody that you know and you've wronged that person, what do you do? If that relationship's important to you, you talk to them. You ask for their forgiveness. You see how you hurt them, and you make it right. See, God's given us the mechanism to do that in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have to be self-condemning of who we are. In in fact, we shouldn't be. Why? Because we have an enemy that does that for us. Because that's all Satan does. He does that to God, saying, see, they're not worthy. But he does that to you, too. Saying, you're not worthy. When Christ in his word said, you are. Do you not see me in the Father? That's what he's saying to them here. So again, whoever believes... Will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these, because I go to the Father. It's kind of like sending an advocate to Washington. (laughs) Okay, everybody, if you have, if you know somebody in the White House, perhaps you can get some things done that you wouldn't normally get done. or or even in a corporation. If you happen to know some bigwig in a corporation, you might get things done that you wouldn't normally get done, right? See, that's what God's saying here. He's saying, don't you understand? I am going to sit at the right hand of the Father, of God. I have His ear, because I am in Him and He is in me. So don't you think... You will do greater things than I even did on this earth. Why? Because I've got you covered. I'm going to the Father and I am your source. I am the source to the CEO. If you're having trouble, talk to me. I I got his ear. If you need something, talk to me. I'm right here. He and I are one. See, What he's laying down here is something we just don't grasp. Because how many of you, if you had an opportunity for a close friendship with somebody who headed up a huge corporation that could really do something for you, Mm -hmm. how many of you would turn that down? Of course not. Of course you would pursue that relationship. Why? Because you see the path In making something better. Why don't we see that with God? Why don't we see the fact that he is sitting at the right hand of the father. And all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is pursue him in relationship. That's what he's saying here. Verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask of the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You notice he said two different aspects of the Holy Spirit there. First of all, The helper is the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But he's talking about two aspects of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit being in you, which is Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. He is the guarantee of our salvation. But then also upon you. So the Holy Spirit can come if we allow it, if we listen and we allow it in our relationship The Holy Spirit can come upon us, give us the power to accomplish what God gives us to do. That's why he's the helper. God didn't say, here's what I want you to do, good luck. Here's a manual, put the bike together. (laughs) Anybody who's a dad knows that that's kind of tough. Christmas time. Please buy things, honey, that I don't have to put together. See, God doesn't do that. It's kind of like God saying, here, put this together. Oh, by the way, I'm going to send this guy who actually created it, and he's going to help you. Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome because, you know what? I don't know about you. When I read instructions, maybe that's why guys don't read instructions. (laughs) Maybe it's because we just don't have the patience to try and understand those instructions. That maybe a little, little bit of pride thinking we could figure it out ourselves. I don't know, but can you imagine if the person who created that thing in the first place came with you and was there to help you? Now, all of a sudden, you're, you're not going to put that item to get, you're not just going to put that item together. Now all of a sudden you're going to understand that item. You're going to understand its purpose. You're going to understand the possibilities of what it can do. See, that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the relationship is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is interactive in our lives. When you talk to God, do you ever expect Him to talk back? If you don't, why not? Because He gives a relationship. A relationship is two ways. It's not one way. That would be like Getting the instructions and figuring it out for yourself. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does, and one of His purposes, is to enlighten Scripture for us, to show us what it means. You know, picture putting this thing together. And I, I know I said bicycle, that actually would be easy. Let's let's think of something a little tougher. An airplane? An airplane? No. How about how about an, an actual airplane that works? A, a building an airplane. Okay, yeah, that would be pretty good. I, I don't think I would do that and then actually get in it and hope it works and fly. It. <laughs> but if I had the creator of that airplane right next to me helping me, well, you know what? You want to put this here. Oh no, don't 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 set that setting there because if you do, you're not going to land very softly. Here here's why. Here's why you do this. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. As we begin reading the Word and we pray, Lord, please open my eyes to what this means, then that's what he does. He's explaining, well, you know what that says. Here, here's how it applies. Let's look at your life. You know that person that you talked to a week and a half ago that that you had just met and and you started talking about God? Okay, well, that that verse there means that, that... The Holy Spirit, me, the Holy Spirit has already worked on that person. You're just planting a seed in them. And then, and then, you know, there's this other person that they're going to run into that might water. And eventually that person might be harvested, might come to know the Lord. So, so see, the Holy Spirit, in partnership with you, begins to explain how things happen, explain the Word of God. And then as we open ourselves up to understanding his word and understanding that relationship, he begins to do in us the very things that Christ did on the earth. See, you understand Christ was a man. Christ did not do anything, the Bible says, on his own. He only spoke what the Father told him to speak. But it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that he did his work on earth. Why? He was God. Why did he need the power of the Holy Spirit? First of all, why did he become a man? Okay, well, he had to become a man, right? To fulfill the law and to die on the cross for us. But why did he have to only work through the Holy Spirit? Because he had to show us that that is how it's done. See, he's God, we're not. So he subjected himself to become a man so that he would have to work on earth in the very same way we would have to work. We have to trust in the Father through the Holy Spirit. If you're witnessing to a person and you don't have to have the Holy Spirit working through you, there's not going to be much power in that there's not going to be much effectiveness in that. Now, contrary to that, if you witness to a person, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're showing them the Word of God, you have a partner who is God himself helping you in this. So that's what he's saying here, and he's saying when you do this, you're going to do greater works than even Jesus did when he was on this earth. Then, verse 13, this is where we start getting into some amazing things. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's keep going, because I really want to get to chapter 15. That's what I'm really trying to do. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. And I read this, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Okay. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, after he he dwells in us, after he saves us, he doesn't just leave us alone. Right? We become part of a family. We're not orphans. We become part of a family. Verse 19, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Why? Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Wow, he just added a whole new piece to this, didn't he? Because he just said, he and the Father are one. He is in the Father, and the Father is in him. But now he added us to the mix. He said, I am in the Father, the Father is in me. You are in me, therefore what? You are in the Father. That's pretty good company. That's pretty good company. If you are facing something in your life that you don't know how to handle, you don't know if you can get through it because all the the walls are just caving in, recognize who you're with. Recognize the company that you keep. See, Jesus is in the Father. The Father is in Him. You are in Jesus if if you've accepted Him. He is in you, therefore you are in the Father. You have the very relationship that Jesus Christ had when He was on this earth. When He had to, by faith, trust. By faith, allow the Holy Spirit to work through Him. See, do we believe him when he says that? Or do we just stop at believing in him? Verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered in verse 23 If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and, wow, make our home with him. That's huge. That's huge. He wants to make his home with us. He wants to, con- what happens when somebody's in your house? They're constantly with you. They're not just a visitor that it, we just had some family when it came in for the ladies' conference and they were with us for about four days. They were visitors. We got to enjoy them for four days and then they left. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a permanent residency. He is wanting to be with you, make his home with you permanently. never leaves. Can you imagine having a relationship with the God of the universe who intimately wants to be with you all the time and wants to build his home with you? See, that's what he's saying here. So why don't we do that? I think so many times we get stuck on what we see. We get stuck on what we can see versus what we believe in. Verse 24, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Let's go down. Let's go down to verse 28. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. How many times have you heard that from me? You know, we say that to people because it's a testimony to God. I've told you we've been promised a building. The buildings, ours. You know, we have already won in the spirit realm, but yet physically we don't have this building yet. Why do I say that? Why do I say that out loud? Why do I announce that? I remember the first week God told me to announce that. He had me over, over the internet, he had me give the actual address. Why? Because when it happens, it's going to be a testimony. It's going to be a testimony to all of us and to all who would hear that because it's not happened yet. I will no longer talk much with you, verse 30, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me. See, Jesus was obedient. Why? So that the world may know that I love the Father. Okay, so in this time, what we've done is we've established that relationship. We've established what that means. We've established what is available to you in relationship to Jesus Christ. You have availability to the CEO of the universe, to the number one in the universe. You have access. That's what Jesus said in relationship. We have access, not just once. It's not just that, hey, you got ten minutes, go in, talk to him with everything you got, and that's all you got. No, he said, the CEO of the universe is going to move in and make his home with you. So you've got him 24-7, you've got him all the time. You've got him in relationship. You're building this relationship. So, so that's the possibility. That's what lays before you as a possibility. There's fruits from that. Let's go on to chapter 15. See, Jesus begins to tell and give this picture of who he is and how he works in our lives. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I want to point out those two words, in me. What Jesus is talking about in this passage here are people that know him as Savior. Okay, because later on as we go to the branches that he throws into the fire and burns, many many people tend to think, well, those are people that aren't saved. That's not the case. What he is talking about here, and first of all, that's not talking about hell either. And we'll get to that. What he's talking about here are the fruits in our lives when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's saying, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Okay? And we are the branches. Every branch in me. He's talking about the branches in him. That does not bear fruit, he takes away and in every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Ouch. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't like that verse. That's a tough verse. I'm doing good, so you prune me, and it makes it harder. Right? How many times in your life when you've taken a step for God, you get trials that make it tough? Yeah, that's what he's saying here. He's saying for you to be the healthiest you can be, the healthiest branch you can be, you prune off the pieces that take energy and waste it. See, he takes our life and he prunes off pieces that don't matter. If we let him. You know, maybe we have a little bit of greed somewhere. Well, I, I kind of have this area in my life where I make, make people think I'm something that I'm not. But yet, I have a heart that desires God. So he takes that and he, he begins to shave it off. He begins to show us how, how unhealthy that is. How, how that doesn't help in our relationship with him. He begins to prune us. And that's painful. How painful is it when you have to come clean on something you've been lying about? That's tough. That's really tough. Especially if it's in a public way. That's a hard thing. But that's the pruning process. He does that for a reason. He does that because those pieces in our life take up the the very energy that he wants to use to make us happier, to make us more beneficial to the kingdom and to him and to ourselves. See, he knows what needs to be pruned off. He knows what needs to be changed, what needs to be more healthy, because when those pieces are pruned off, more energy goes into the parts that he wants there. I could tell you from experience this happens. In my own life, he's pruned off so many different things. And I'm, I'm innately a passionate person. I tend to, whatever I focus on, I tend to be really passionate about. So you can imagine, I'll, I'll give you an example, and this isn't, I'll give you this example because it's not anything sinful. Okay, we'll stay away from that for right now. But I was really into paintball. <laughs> Loved paintball. I, I don't know if it was just the thought of being able to shoot somebody was pretty cool. I, I don't know. Or, or maybe maybe the fact that, that I, could, I could hide and people couldn't see me. My name was Sasquatch. Okay, I did not give that name to myself. I was named that after playing for about six months. And, and it, it's because they couldn't figure out how somebody so big could just in the blink of an eye be gone, and you couldn't find him. And I I thought that was cool. I loved it. I loved paintball. We played every week, and it was a blast. I spent so much ridiculous money on that. I mean, how somebody can spend three grand on paintball is beyond me, Uh, on just the equipment, because I played for free. i I hate to think if I had had to pay to play. Okay, but I was so into it. It took up so much of my life, and it was fun. There was nothing wrong with it. But I was so passionate about it. That's all I thought about. I thought about, you know, during the week I'm at work and stuff, but I'm cleaning my gun. I'm, you know, what can I add to it? What could I do? That was what I was passionate about. It absorbed so much energy that God had to come in and say, look, I mean, not that that's wrong, and it's not, but the fact that you're putting so much passion into it, it's taking away from what, I want you to have with me. See, look at your own life. There are things that we put passion into that take away from our relationship with Jesus Christ. It may take time. It may not even be a sin issue. But it may take away from what we have with Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in our lives. Think about yourself. Are there things in your life that he wants to prune away so that that focus and that energy can be placed in a healthier direction, be placed in a way that brings us joy, brings us love, brings us peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit. See, you have to understand God's goal is not his joy. Do you understand that? If that were the case, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for us. He gave up his only son to die on the cross for our sins. So God's goal in your life is not his fulfillment. God's goal in your life is for you to be fulfilled in him. See, because he knows that's the only way we'll be fulfilled. So he begins to prune us if we let him. If we don't, we'll read what, that, what happens to that. But let, let's, uh, let's move on. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. In other words, if, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, already you have the righteousness of Christ. Because of the word that he has spoken. So he says, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. If we don't have a relationship with him, don't expect him to work through you. You can't do it without him. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Everybody say, much fruit. Much fruit. fruit. (gasps) For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. I want to explain something here, because remember at the beginning of this chapter... We, we talked about the fact that these are all saved people. So what it's talking about here is a separation of works. A separation not from God. This isn't, this isn't what, what we see in the end times where, where it's a heaven or hell thing. okay? Because all of these abide in him. What's burned? Their works. What we do in our lives... If we're not having a fruitful life for him, he is not going to put the energy into pruning us. It does not take us away from the fact that we know him. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, two of my favorite verses in the Bible, guarantee that when you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit until you receive eternal life. So it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of him abiding in our lives. A matter of him having a work in our lives. All with the process and goal of the fruits of the Spirit. This love, this joy, this peace. Things that we seek all the time, and we seek so many times in the wrong ways. So, see, the choice is ours. Let's see. Verse 9. Or wait. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full see that's what he gives he that's the reason why he does this it's the joy why did god create us in the first place for love for the fruits of the spirit for joy for interaction with us so he may have joy See, that's his reason here as well. He says in verse 11, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And then he's talked about obedience in his commandments. but And, and we've talked about it before, but now he lays it out. This is my commandment, verse 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. I love how Jesus just makes things simple. You know, if you didn't know that that was what he commanded and we read earlier in John, you know, when when uh, uh, when the Pharisee asked, you know, what is the greatest of the commandments and 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 he said love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind and all thy strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said all of the commandments are wrapped up into those two. So that was that was prior to this. But then he says, keep that commandment and bear fruit. See, if you think you can bear fruit without love, you're sorely mistaken. If you think you can bear fruit without loving each other, you're mistaken. If you think you can bear fruit without loving yourself, you're mistaken. And I don't mean loving yourself by bringing everything to you in a selfish way. I'm saying loving yourself knowing what God knows about you. Knowing that you are precious to him. See, you're so precious to God, he died for you. He died for me. I don't think he would do that for somebody undeserving. See, because he he gave us his love, whether we didn't deserve it, he gave it to us because he deserved it. And he wants our love. So, because of that, you have to understand how precious you are to him and how much he wants to be with us. Verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. If you are my, he said, you are my friends. What's it say? If you do what I command you. Understand that to be in Jesus Christ does not mean to be with Jesus Christ. It's kind of like believing in him versus believing him. Believing him is a secondary step. You could believe him, ask him into your heart, not believe his word. You don't lose your salvation, but you lose the joy and the fruit of your life. That's what he's saying here. You're my friends if you do what I command you. doesn't mean you're not... In Christ anymore. Doesn't mean you lose your salvation. But there's a difference. Remember Paul said, when we're saved, we become bond servants, bond slaves of Jesus Jesus Christ. So now this is a different title. Now we've become friends. See, we become friends through that relationship. We become friends when we love him and obey his commandments, which are to love each other says, verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for the, all that I have heard from my Father I have made, made known to you. Verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask, The Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I want to read just the second part of 16 again, the last part there. So that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I want to close in this. We wonder why we don't see the Church of Acts today. We talked about that before. We, we don't see that camaraderie, that unity, that love. We certainly don't see those kind of miracles, those kind of healings, those kind of manifestations. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons why is because we simply don't believe what he says. We believe in him. And we believe to a portion as we manage the word of God that he'll work in our lives but do we just flat believe him? When he says, I want to do this in you, do we trust him? See, so often it's out of our comfort zone. Wow, I can't tell you how many times over the last five years I've had to step out of my comfort zone. Talk to any of the college students here that have been with me for any length of time. Those two words have become... Huge comfort zone. Get out of it. Don't stay in it. See, that's where God takes us is out of our comfort zone. Why? Because we've got to trust Him. Have you ever stepped out in faith, something you knew He was telling you to do? Stepped out in faith, not sure He was going to follow through? And taking such a chance that Boy, if he doesn't show up, I'm going to look like a fool. See, that's stepping out of your comfort zone. Stepping out of your comfort zone isn't having a backup plan. When, when, when the Holy Spirit told us to get rid of the business, we didn't have a backup plan. When he said go into the ministry full time, we didn't have a, a position waiting for us that offered a salary. There would be consequences if he did not show up. But he said to step. He didn't show us how he was going to do it. He just said, trust me. What's he saying in your life? Is he putting something in front of you and saying, you've got to trust me in this. I know that if Jesus doesn't show up, you're going to look like a fool. It could have a negative impact on you. But he's saying, trust him. Don't worry about that. Because he is going to show up. And he did show up for us. And he's shown up every day. Every time we take that step into the unknown, he's right there with the flashlight. There you go. I'll show you that next step. Trust me. Just trust me. That's what he's saying. Believe me. Believe in the words that I say in my word. Don't just believe in me. That's belief without power. That's what the disciples had in John chapter 20. If they hadn't awaited for the Holy Spirit, they would still have had the guarantee of eternal life. But they would not have had the power. The power in their own relationship with Jesus Christ. The power that he works through them to reach others. To share his love in others. See, he loves us. He wants us to love each other. And make a difference in each other's lives. Let's bow our heads.